Hey, it's June 29th, 2021, and this is Episode 5 of the More Math for More People podcast. Cheers! Hello, I'm Joel. And I'm Misty. And this is More Math for More People, brought to you by CPM Educational Program. This podcast supports middle and high school teachers with best practices, relevant research, helpful hints and tips, and anything else that randomly comes to our minds. We hope you find this podcast both entertaining and informative for your math teaching practice. Boom. So today's National Hug Holiday... And I was noticing, actually, I saw something on the news about it, that emojis now, so whatever the grand emoji company or... I think there's a central emoji directorate or something. There is. There's a central emoji, and they vote on who, which emojis will be accepted and which will not. (laughs) And of course, there's companies like Google and such that draw out their emojis and submit them, but Mm -hmm. the council... The high council has to approve the emoji. Do they like meet in a secret place? I hope so. With secret handshakes and... I hope that's a true thing. I hope so too. It's like a G8 summit. It's very, Mm -hmm. very hush-hush, very top secret to decide which emojis people will have access. I want to see the rejected pile of emojis also. That would be good too. That would be fun. Being secret, it wouldn't promote itself to this, but I would like to, like if there's a live feed... So I could kind of, mm-hmm. you know, Vegas could bet on them. Oh, or yeah. And- it could be a whole <laughs> like emoji black market. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of like what emoji sports book, but it would be like emoji book. Yeah. <laughs> and they could stamp your ticket with a, a smiley face if you win and a sad face if you lose. You win emojis. Nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if you being the hug holiday, mm-hmm. they were talking about the hug emoji, which I think is a. In my opinion, not the most descriptive emoji. The original hug emoji. Right. It's which got is the, the little cheeks. round, the round circle face. Yep. And the and hands, like the little the hands fingers. That, yeah, they do look like jazz hands. Jazz hands. It's a jazz hands That's emoji, actually. And, uh, but so that was, they're acknowledging that issue that it didn't quite look like a hug. So now there's a new emoji with a silhouette of two people actually hugging. Hmm. And I think it's so cool. Is, so it's it's a silhouette like it's just black and white. It's blue. It's blue. Like and it's kind of shaded, like mm-hmm. different shades of blue. But you can clearly see mm-hmm. that it's two people and they are hugging, mm-hmm. like in a in an embrace. Nice. Our listeners can't see that no. right now, but I'm sure they're checking it out. Yes, go go search for your new hug emojis. <laughs> I like when they finally added a way to search the emojis for particular words. Mm. That was very helpful because I could never. Is scanning all those emoji pictures is just one, it's distracting because I'm always like, What's that? What's that? Well, that's cool. And then I forget what I'm looking for, but or I just never find what I'm looking for because I scan too quickly or don't recognize it. And I, when somebody sends like a reaction or an emoji or something, I always have to hover over it to clarify what it is. And then I have up. to think about the meaning behind it yeah. as well, yeah. what they wanted to communicate to me. Yeah, I, I'm fascinated by. I, I know that we just had a bunch of new emojis come out on our Slack, mm-hmm. which were for remote working or something, right? Yes. And yes. Um, I had to look up several of those. I didn't know what a what 
AFW was, no, yeah. AFK, right? Away, AFK. Away from keyboard. Yep. And then, or O-O-O. O-O-O, which, yeah. <laughs> if you just Google O-O-O, it'll come up with all kinds of things. You should probably give Google yes. some more clue of what you're trying to find. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, which was just out of office, right? I feel like there was something else that was interesting in there that I was like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, there, there was, there was a few. And uh, again, I, I wonder who, like what situation would somebody need that for and uh, how, how the high council approved it, why that <laughs> exactly. became like an important thing to communicate. Well, and it's, it's interesting because there's such, I mean, there is some universality, universalness, I don't know the words right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of emojis. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, all the ones that are on my iPhone pretty much also exist in Slack, but then you can, now you can just make emojis, right? Like, we can right. add in, in Slack, your own you little Slack custom. emojis and various things. I mean, I don't know if you That's can do it on your iPhone, but. But the reason that your, your phone, your email, your Slack have those universal emojis is because of the high council. <laughs> Once they approve glad, it, it goes so everywhere. I'm glad the high council has finally gotten on board with um, various skin tones of emojis. Um, yes. I, I saw that. that, I saw in the latest iOS update, I think. That which was coming out on my when I loaded it on my phone and I was looking to see because I'm always like, well, what I'm actually getting in this iOS update as opposed to just security and bug fixes because those are mm-hmm. always in there. Mm-hmm. There was an ability to put in more than one skin tone on multi hand or person emojis. Oh, very cool. So, like, if you have two people in the emoji, you could somehow I don't know how they manage all the different very you know permutations yeah. of of it, but if you had four people, that would be a lot of different permutations of different skin tones you could put in, but I think that's pretty cool. That's very cool. I didn't know that that was there. Yeah. Well, you should check out when you, <laughs> you know, update your iOS, you should check out to see what's actually happening that, well, or you can or not. And just be surprised later. I mean, that's true too. That's, you know, you can choose, choose your own adventure on that one. So today is National Hug Holiday, and we're happy to have Sharon Rendon with us, the Director of Professional Learning for CPM, to talk about our Starting Strong 2021 professional learning events. So thanks for being with us today, Sharon. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today. How are you guys? Good, good. It's nice, sunny, and warm in Rapid City, South Dakota, so we can never complain when the sun's out and it's hotter than 80 degrees. I like that. So you're from Rapid City. What else can you tell us about yourself? So I have a background in teaching math. Um, I started in the state of Arizona, and I did some middle school teaching there. And then I really freaked the kids out. I got married, changed my name, and went to the high school at a very, very small district. We only had one middle school, one high school at the time. So a lot of the students were like, hey, you used to be Miss Williams. And now you're Mrs. Rindon, and you used to teach middle school, and now you're teaching high school. It was great. It was was fun times. So I taught in Arizona for quite a few years until my husband decided we should move to Germany. Um, He was in the Air Force, and so we tailed off to Germany, and I was fortunate enough to get a job for the Department of Defense Schools in Spangalem, Germany. So that was interesting. I started by teaching fifth grade science. And I have to tell you, I'm not a fan of fifth grade science content. So I stuck it out for about a year that I taught, went back to teaching middle school math. And then five years later, found ourselves in Rapid City, South Dakota, 
for all intent and purposes. I live in a little town outside of Rapid City, but, and I taught high school there. I was a math coach in the district. I then moved into the math coordinator role and then five years, well, actually it's, I just decided it was my sixth anniversary with CPM full time. So I left the class, I left the district and I've now been working for CPM um, six years full time. So I have two questions. What is wrong with fifth grade science curriculum, first of all? Like, what's the content that was so troubling? Well, I didn't really know what the content was. So that was what was a little troubling. So we did a lot of dinosaurs. We studied the rock structures. Uh, So I I really didn't have a lot of guidance. So I was kind of making it up. Yeah. And that was hard for me because like in math, I could just make up content and go with it, right? Like I, I've had enough experience, but with science, it was really a lot of work for me to mm-hmm. create the content and, and do that teaching. Yeah, I can see that. And then, and how long have you been the director of professional learning? Well, that's a really good question. Maybe like three years or I'm guessing three or four years. Mm-hmm. That seems about right. So for listeners who don't know, uh, CPM is launching this new Starting Strong 2021 professional learning events. Tell us, what is Starting Strong? What's it about? Starting Strong is really in a response to the really tough year that the education community had in 20, well, the spring of 20, wait, 2020, and then this year of 2021. Yeah. Uh, and just the um, difficulty of, students being in remote learning and virtual learning and then being back in class and the the conversations about how students have quote unquote unfinished learning. And that that really disturbed me because I think students have learned a lot. And I think students and teachers have been incredibly resilient over the past year and a half. And we just wanted to put together this opportunity for teachers to come together and think about how do we really start strong back in the fall of 2021 when schools will return to in-person learning and have the opportunity to really think about educating students maybe differently? Some things should stay the same, but there are definitely some things we've learned that could be different and really adjust to the year that the the trauma and the pandemic has had on all of us. So how do we go about that? So first of all, it's intended for for teachers that really have already had a year of implementing CPM. Mm-hmm. So it's it's designed to really think about what we know to be good practice in math education and how do we put some of those ideas together on top of this this last year of different learning that we've had. So there's really four key ideas. The first one is how do we move to this idea of asset-based learners? So rather than say they have quote unquote unfinished learning or these kids missed all this learning or they have all these gaps, we want to really focus on strengths and assets and shift the conversation to how do I provide support just in time when the learning is needed as opposed to try to go and teach all these things that they might need just in case. Uh, We want to focus on okay, now it's time. It makes sense. Let's teach. Let's review this idea. Let's make sure we put these supports in so students can keep advancing their learning. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is we really want students to be empowered. So we want to continue to build on students' um, social and emotional needs. We want them to see themselves as capable learners, and we want to give them the opportunity to see rich tasks, have great discourse, 
we want them to have feel like they're supported in this community of learners and and really have this idea of effective teamwork. So really empower students and help them to get re-engaged with themselves as a capable learner. The third area is really about going back to prioritizing building relationships and just how do we begin to re-engage with classroom culture and take some of the pieces that we learned about connecting with kids outside of the classroom and, and see if we can't incorporate some of those in and just really build that culture. And we know that relationships are critical for learning. Mm-hmm. And then the the fourth part, which I think is important, but um, I think there's a lot of conversation about this right now in the, the math education world. And that is, how do we handle the the grade level content? And how do we keep the instructional rigor high and focus on the depth of learning and not necessarily be concerned about uh, reteaching or going back and teaching half of the book that maybe students didn't have exposure to? And how do we um, identify what's critical and key to the grade level and um, what will help us to make sure students have the, the necessary understandings to move on to the next course after this next year? So four big ideas. How do you think with the CPM curriculum, how are those participants going to engage in those four ideas? Well, Joel, there's this really cool thing in our books called chapter one. It's so awesome. Wait, doesn't every book have a chapter one? Oh yeah. Every book does have a chapter. <laughs> ours is better though. Ours, ours is special. Yes. Ours is special. And here's why ours is special is because it's written to be this fabulous formative assessment tool. And it's also built so that teachers can build relationships with their students, but they can also allow students to build relationships with each other. So at the conclusion of chapter one, a teacher will have had opportunities to build this culture, at least get it started, Mm -hmm. and had an opportunity to have students start building those relationships. And they will have done a fabulous formative assessment review of what their students are bringing with them. What's their assets? What do they know? And start to think about where do I, am I going to need just in time learning? And where am I going to need to put the supports in as we continue to move throughout the school year in 2021 and 2022? So chapter one, we're going to spend a lot of time in chapter one thinking about how do we use it to help some of these key ideas come to life in our classrooms? I I like that focus because I think that's one of the things that is always so challenging for teachers when they're thinking about all the things their students missed last year, how can I do a year and a half in a year, right? How can I get them caught up? Well, you can't, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it last year. You couldn't do it any year. You would not be able to do it this year. So how can we adjust and use just in time, prioritize grade level content, look at what students can do and move them from where they are forward. I think that's great. Yeah. And if we don't start them in grade level content, we're just going to widen mm-hmm. the their gap, right? We're going to be farther. And if you just add two years and then three years, and that's not the solution. So mm-hmm. uh, thinking about how to be proactive and really take advantage of this next year and start the next year strong with a great plan. Um, I think that's going to help us get, get um, students re-engaged after this year of 2020. So we're excited about starting strong. Um, We're going to offer it a couple of different ways. First of all, we have some in-person sessions that I think are just 
like just the idea of getting in person with other teachers is just so exciting. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited that we have some select locations where we're going to offer those. Um, and then we also have had quite a few places reach out to us and say, hey, we think this would be powerful for our teachers. Could could you could we pay you to come in and provide the learning for our teachers? So we have quite a few of those happening as well. Mm-hmm. The in-person events will all start in July. So we'll run them most of July and August and they'll, they'll be a full day of learning. So plan on like eight hours um, to be in. We'll let you take a lunch break. Of course. So don't get worried about that. And it will be very interactive. So as those of you that have engaged with CPM professional learning before, it will definitely keep you on your toes. You'll be engaged and, and very much thinking about how this is going to apply in your classroom. And then because we know that not every person, everybody can get to an in-person event, um, we also are going to offer some virtual sessions, which I think um, is that's been one of the, I keep saying the silver linings mm-hmm. of the pandemic. This is one of them is that CPM has invested a lot of time and money into providing virtual learning options for teachers. So it really just allows more accessibility for more teachers, which is going to then in turn impact classrooms. Mm-hmm. So um, we will offer those on Mondays and we'll offer them at 8 a.m. And then we'll offer them again at 1 p.m. And I got an email today asking if that content was the same. Yes. So the content that were, happens at 8 a.m. Pacific time will be the same as the content at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that two hour virtual session that's going to be synchronous, there's also going to be an asynchronous module that will support learning as well which is a great opportunity to engage in with your collaborative team, with another couple of other teachers, and really just go a little bit deeper with your learning after your synchronous session. So there's one thing I would like to know. And after you answer, if you could say, what do you think the most important thing our listeners should know about starting strong? But what I'd like to know is, do you think starting strong is better than the fifth grade science curriculum that you are teaching before? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's see. I can't even remember the names of the different eras. <laughs> no, paleozonic, paleotonic, paleotonic. What's it called? I don't know. I'm a math teacher. <laughs> I'm, exactly. So absolutely starting strong is going to be better. Um, it's going to be a great time to reconnect and really to start to think about um, how do we move forward and how do we start strong and, and help students be successful post COVID-19. Fantastic. Thank you so much. So uh, every episode, we try and highlight a study team and teaching strategy. And this week's study team and teaching strategy. Wait, do I get to pick this study? No, you're not the boss today. I get to pick it. Oh my goodness. So it's going to be a hot potato. And the hot potato is a strategy that promotes collaboration, teamwork, and um, the team uses one sheet of paper to solve a problem. And every team member uses a different colored utensil and they, they write down their step of the strategy to solve a problem, pass it on to the next person. They write down their step or make a correction or some ideas from the last person. And they keep going around until the problem's completed. So can you tell us how you've used a hot potato with your students? Okay. How did you know that this was one of my favorites? It really is. So <laughs> I didn't know. It was a lucky guest. Anyone who knows me 
they know that I love algebra tiles. They know that I, algebra tiles like changed my whole life when it came to teaching algebra to students who needed a little more time to make understanding and make sense of it. So I use them with algebra tiles. So I take one of these long equations that's got uh, parentheses. It's got the opportunity for the distributive property. It's got some negatives in there. It's got like terms. It's just kind of messy, you know, ones that go like across the whole page. And I have um, one student, I have somebody build it in their team. And then I have a student start with the paper and their colored pencil. And they kind of make their first decision of what they want to do. So they write down um, what the result is of the move of the tiles. Um, So they do the first step in solving the equation. And then they pass the paper. And that person has to respond based on what the first person did. So sometimes some people, students want to go through and do all the distributive property. Other, other times students want to go through and, and quote unquote, flip the tiles mm-hmm. to the top or yep. make them the opposite, right? So deal with the, the um, opposite region. Distribute the negatives. Mm-hmm. Some want to just go through automatically and take out the zero pairs. So the hot potato allows everybody to have power and choice. So each team member gets to choose what they want to do, but they have to respond to what the person did in front of them. So they have to stop and think about, oh, Mm -hmm. if they wanted to combine like terms and somebody already did that, they have to maybe get pushed out of their comfort zone and think, okay, I'll do this move instead. That's great. So do you, do you have them, they build the tile, they build it on like an equation mat and they're recording it? Yeah, I usually have, I have the person in front move Mm -hmm. the tiles and the person behind record and then that both the tiles and the paper shift. So it's kind of like a double hot potato, right? It's like one person is hot potatoing the tiles and one person is hot potatoing the paper. (laughs) Yeah. It could be called twice baked Mm -hmm. hot potato. That's cool. I also, and it would be cool too, because you could do it as a kind of like a reverse twice baked hot potato. You could actually just have the tiles stay in the, in the, students could move around them because oh. I could see my students like lifting this thing to move and like ah, the tiles all falling mean, everywhere. Like, physically move. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like the students could move like almost like a, yeah. That would be great too, because the tiles could get messed up or you could use virtual tiles. You know, I'm a fan of our virtual sure. tiles as well. So you could pull it up Absolutely. on a device and yeah. the device could move. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's yeah, so yeah. many options, but I love that idea. It is one of my favorite strategies be- only because I love tiles. Like I, I think it goes great with yeah. tiles. Oh, that's, that is a double bang for your buck. That's awesome. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much. For more information and to stay connected with CPM happenings, you can find CPM on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our intro music is one of the very talented contributions that you can find on pixabay.com. Thank you, Julius H., for your creation. Join us for the next episode of More Math for More People. What day will that be, Joel? It'll be July 13th, which is National Cow Appreciation Day. And this is a really important holiday for me as I used to be a pasteurizer. And I got there, but actually I started in the repo section, which is when you take expired milk chocolate milk. And then from there, I worked my way up to sour cream. And with the sour cream,